Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. It is an emergency podcast. I am joined by Carter Rodriguez. Man, it, it feels like it's been way too long. How's it going, buddy? Fire up the alarm bells, my friend. We are back. Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, uh, we were both, uh, for various reasons, pretty unreliable for the last month or so. Um, and then you recorded a podcast with Zayback that got lost. So ultimately, it's like we never left you. I would like to. I would like to say. I have to say, Kevin, David. Yeah. David was phenomenal on the podcast, and I do feel genuinely bad that that fell apart. Luckily, um, he's never going to listen to this because he doesn't listen to podcasts. That's that's very much true. But uh, we are back, which is great, and uh, we have some new news too. Uh, the Chase Down Podcast is now being brought to you by Blue Wire. Uh, we're very, very excited to partner with the Blue Wire. Uh, a lot of exciting things coming down the line. Uh, from a logistics standpoint, it isn't going to change a whole lot. You're still going to be able to find us on the same feed. Uh, but we got merchandising things coming down the line. Um, it also means that the Patreon page is no longer going to be up as... Uh, well, we, we don't really need the uh, the support for our hosting costs, so it just seemed a little wrong to keep that going. Yeah, really excited to jo- join the Blue Wire Network. Uh, they've got a lot of great pods coming. Uh, our, our friends and probably your foes, uh, Sam and Andy, will also be joining up along with uh, a lot of pods across uh, multiple different sports. So uh, keep an eye out for all that Blue Wire programming. Uh, but yeah, as far as we go, uh, we are not going to change at all because we're not capable. Of course. Uh, I, I mean, change is scary for me, and it's something that I just don't want to go through in any aspect of my life. But change is still the topic of the day with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, it, we are recording this after Media Day, the first one in four years without LeBron James. Um, a little bit weird. Little bit weird to see uh, all the most of the familiar faces back, uh, just with a dramatically different set of expectations. 
Early takeaway, I'll say this much. That thing went moved a hell of a lot faster when you didn't have LeBron up there for 90 straight minutes. <laughs> Actually, that, I, I don't want to really dive into the Lakers media day in any way, shape, or form. But I was uh, getting some writing done, and the I, I had it on NBA TV. And LeBron talked for like 12 minutes, and then it cut back to the NBA TV studios after he left. And they were laughing. They're like, well, we were anticipating about 45 minutes to an hour of LeBron, but uh, apparently he doesn't have that whole, a whole lot to say. And uh, David well, Griffin. Well, when, when you have six video shoots to get to, you know, you're going to have to abridge your media day coverage. And, you know, I, I think once again, we're just kind of seeing where LeBron's focus is. Absolutely, absolutely. Just a, a scathing indictment of LeBron. But let's just say he gave Bugs Bunny more than twelve minutes. <laughs> oh, I'd give Lola more than twelve minutes. But Jesus. moving on. <laughs> Anyways, Cavs Media Day. Um, we'll start things off talking about Tyron Lou, who has been put in the uncomfortable position of trying to sell the season. Um, a whole whole lot of quotes that. You could kind of feel a little bit of the pain uh, behind those eyes and in his voice when he was talking about, well, we haven't been beaten yet, so we're still kind of defending our There's titles. only one cure for that kind of pain behind his eyes. What's that? Weed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I actually think you can almost take media day and like split it between bright-eyed and enthusiastic young people and their miserable fucking older counterparts. Okay, like, that's actually that's not a bad idea. So let's let's kind of draw the line. Tyron Liu is falling firmly on the wow, we're going through this again side of the line. Um, Kyle Korver, I, I think you had mentioned that. Holy crap! Did you did you get a chance to listen to Kyle Korver? <laughs> I just I just saw the quotes. I didn't I didn't really listen to him. I, His it, tone was like like I clearly considered retirement, but I'm coming back. Because, I don't know, I'm getting paid. I probably should. I'll, and, and I'm probably you know, going to get traded uh, at some point here. I might get traded a good team. And, you know, I'm a good pro. But it was like there was zero enthusiasm. Like someone was talking to him. I think there was a question about, like, play style without LeBron. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have to play the right way or it's probably going to get real ugly. <laughs> it's just funny, like, the people who know what's coming and the people who don't was like so Corver definitely was that on that end Lou was funny because like partly he's defiant so part of him is defiant which was the well last I checked we haven't lost the Eastern Conference yet and, and that, that's always just, that's always kind of the the wall that he puts up with the media yeah because well. he doesn't like the media and then you also had this like well I have to tell the company line so it's like yeah Dan Gilbert is amazing and he spends money and we're gonna we're gonna compete and then you have like the quiet expectation setting, which yielded my favorite line of the entire media day, which is we don't have wins and losses. We have wins and lessons. I, I love it, man. I, I love it. And before we, we get on to the enthusiastic young guys, we should probably talk a little bit about the team being committed to winning and wanting to trade for Jimmy Butler. Um, we were kind of hoping yeah, I'm that. Sorry. We, yeah, we buried the lead there. Yeah, you, you, we definitely did. But I mean, part of me was hoping that this would be resolved uh, already at this point. That he would have been sent to one place or another. But we instead we we have kind of still the the unknown with Jimmy Butler, and 
Um, I I think it's fair to say that there's almost no chance he actually ends up on the Cavs. I, I just don't see a deal working out. But what's your thoughts on the team even being interested in him in, in the first place? I mean, I guess, like, from the perspective of, like, hey, they're trying to win, so I, I guess leave no stone unturned. But, like, I think it's really hard to, like, know how you feel about any of that unless you have, like, any idea about any principal parts being involved. Like, I think if you're giving up anyone you care about in the future for Jimmy Butler, you're probably an idiot because he's not going to stay. Well, where, where um, do you draw the line? Like, what is the, the most attractive asset that you'd be willing to give up? Maybe, like, Nance? That's where I would draw the line as well. Yeah. Like, and like I, that's not that good of an offer. And I'm not really trying to give up a lot of future firsts because he's going to leave unless somehow you get him, pitch him on a Kyrie return or something like really convoluted. And like, here's the thing outside of the guy being born in Cleveland or the immediate area, guys don't really hatch plots to come here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's but, not like a big conspiracy to, thing. They don't need to hatch the plot. You just got to get them there, and then no, they would just go to New York where well, they want to go. Well, like, <laughs> like it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So, like, yeah, it'd be nice from the perspective of like the Cavs would be a pretty no doubt playoff team if uh, if they I, I think you know, they'd have more wins than the Butler. Lakers. That's that's my take. You're too low on the Lakers. That is my that is my opinion. That's fair. I think but, I, th- I think your saltiness is speaking for you. It, like it's it, funny it, to it, think about it, so it's <laughs> so it's easier to lean into it. That, and also, the great thing about that too is because Butler isn't going to end up on the Cavs. There's no way for me to be proven long, wrong, and that's really my sweet spot. When when you yeah. can throw something out there, and there's no way it's going to be backed up one way or another. Can I briefly say something about the Lakers, even though I know you didn't really want to talk about them that much? Okay. It is pretty rich coming from Cavs fans to say that knucklehead role players won't be able to help a LeBron James led team. So here's the thing about that. I know their fit was better, but like, and they have been good in the last like four years, which it hasn't been the case with the Lakers. And the other problem is those guys need to be like core pieces because they really don't have any of that established. And it sounds like Rondo's already starting over Lonzo. Um, and like those guys need to be good and they just haven't been, but I don't, I don't want to talk about the Lakers. Yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry. My thing with the Jimmy Butler thing is I think it shows a commitment from the Cavs that they're going to explore any option to try and win. Um, obviously if you do get Butler somehow, uh, one, you'd have to be relying on the Wolves to be stupid, which isn't always a bad plan. Yeah, I was about but, to say, there, there's like one owner in the whole NBA that Dan Gilbert can probably get one over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably Glenn Taylor. Yeah. And, and, I mean, the only opportunity the Wolves really had to get one over on the Cavs was when they wanted to trade Kyrie for Wiggins, and the Wolves didn't want to do that. So um, that, that was fantastic. Uh, the love trade certainly worked out pretty well. So if you're making an argument for what the Cavs can trade for Butler, I don't think you can make a realistic best pitch that makes a ton of sense that wouldn't be beat by other teams. But that might still be good enough to get it done just because you're, you're factoring in it being the Wolves. But there really is no set blueprint on how to build a winning team in the NBA. 
Uh, you look at every single champion, it's always some combination of luck, um, a few bounces going one way or another with free agents or, or late draft picks or, or whatever the case may be. So if you could theoretically get Butler, you already have Love. I'm assuming you're not trading Sexton and Jetty in, in that type of a deal. Um, so obviously I'm already like stretching this a lot that the, the Cavs aren't really giving up a lot and they're getting Butler. But if you can get into that situation, all of a sudden you can make a realistic pitch for free agents. And, and we've seen market doesn't matter as much when you have the players there. Again, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I think we can count on Gilbert trying to expedite whatever rebuild uh, ends up happening this year, whether it be taking advantage of a disgruntled star and getting them on the cheap, or it if it's a slow start or a slower start that he wants, uh, or a mediocre start, I think you see the team tear things down really quickly. So um, I, I just think that they're not going to be satisfied with just being a, a middle-of-the-pack team, and my takeaway is that they're going to explore every avenue possible to, to make things better quicker. Yeah, um, you know, and I said this, uh, and, you know, we can actually take this back to the Tyron Lue comments uh, at Media Day today um, from the perspective of, listen, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing um, about, oh, they're trying to win, and really they should be trying to tank, and I've kind of been beating this drum quite a bit. Like you guys don't remember how little fun it is to watch a team that's tanking. And, (laughs) you know, the ninth pick or the eighth pick is probably not going to make or break this franchise. Wow. Um, Already counting out Sexton. You, you were uh, just so pessimistic. Stop it. Um, (laughs) and I don't know, man, like I'm cool with them trying to win as long as they're not being stupid about it. You know, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something else that I, I, when I was writing, I mentioned the thing that David Zavak said, and it really is just stuck in my craw for whatever reason. And it was the Cavs at some point are going to have to develop a positive identity that does not involve LeBron James because Gilbert was sort of their de facto leader for until Kyrie kind of became the guy, but he wasn't really ready to do it. And then LeBron came back. And like you even hear like, and we've even joked about it plenty of times. Like, oh, LeBron's going to come back for that final victory lap, and it's like that's great, but that needs to be like a bonus, not like a franchise-defining thing. Right? Yeah that that can't be what you're banking on because I I I don't think he can drag. As you know, I'm I'm low on the Lakers roster and and what he can do with it. I don't think in four years he's going to be able to drag an even lesser team. To what fans want oh, in this four team years, to be. the Cavs will probably be title contenders again, but that's a little confusing from you, Mister Pessimist. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, from that perspective, you know, it's like I just want them to make good, smart decisions, and I don't really care what route they take as long as they're trending positively. If that makes sense, like I, you know, what if they did decide to tank? You know, I'm not going to be throwing a fit about it. You know, if, if the first half of the season doesn't go well and they start trading vets, uh, you know, that's fine. Um, but yeah. really, I just want them to be a well-run organization. <laughs> and like until the and if that's the as long as they get to that baseline, then I think I'm going to be pretty pleased, I think. Yeah, 
like from an intellectual standpoint, I, I think that what I'd like to see happen is the vets get moved. You manage loves minutes. And, and I, I've said this a million times before, but just try to do a one year quick reset where you get another high pick and then you use whatever cap space you have to sign good role players around love jetty nance sexton um and hopefully rodney hook uh hopefully he blossoms because his upside if that ends up working out would be tremendous for this team um but at the same time once the games start if this team is winning more than we expect if you have like an indiana pacers type season here uh, where a team just completely over, uh, outperforms their expectations a- after losing a, a star player, I'm I'm going to be all for it. Like I, I'm going to try to enjoy it as much as humanly possible, and um, I'm just going to kind of throw all the the hypotheticals with this team out, out the window. Like I'd want to see this team play good basketball, and if they're ahead of schedule, that would be great. I, I don't necessarily believe that that's the case, um, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibilities when, when you look at this Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, I mean, I you know I'm on team. I don't expect this team to be very good. Yes, um, but you know what? Like that. It, but I'm happy to be wrong. You know, like I think there is a world. I it's when I say that it's not that I don't see a roadmap for it working. I just see a good roadmap for it not working right now um but i you know i would have been on team the pacers won't be very good so what the fuck do i know or anyone Mm -hmm. um it's just you know i think if you're looking for the right attitude from this Cavs team i do want them to compete i want them to want to learn and that is why i am a little concerned by the team the guys that didn't seem so thrilled to be there today um I don't know if you remember this. I think it was on our last podcast we did before we took our little unintentional break. Um, I kind of talked about how I was, I felt like Tyron Lou and the guys were just going to have like just a hangover from four long years, four straight finals births. Um, right. And then all of a sudden playing to get into the playoffs, like all of a sudden playing for a seven seed or an eight now, seed. I just think that's hard on your brain. And, I think, you know, not to get too psychoanalytical here, but I, I think we kind of saw that with these guys, uh, with a with a subset of the team. You know, I think, you know, Jetty, bless his heart, looked thrilled to be there. I think Sexton seems pretty excited. But these vets, you know, Corver, you know, Lou, even Thompson, it's like. Well, I didn't think, didn't I didn't think, uh, what I was about to say is how many of these guys actually were giving off that vibe. Like Lou is always going to be that way with the media. Um, and compared to last season, like I think last season took a lot of life out of him. Um, he looks refreshed compared to that. Um, but like Thompson, I, I thought it was encouraging. He was talking about being a hundred percent healthy and he seemed uh, kind of enthused by that and, and excited for the challenge of being counted out. And when you look at this time last year, when he was talking about how he wasn't sure if he's ever going to be able to get 100% again, um, we saw, or at least I saw when he was playing with Team Canada, he was running around and moving like Tristan Thompson again. And and he said that he's gone back to 100% health, which whether it's with this team or on the trade market, 
Thompson playing like he's capable of, that's going to help things out a whole heck of a lot. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know how many guys that this team needs to be good look kind of dejected today at media day. Like, I, I don't think Kyle Korver being that way is necessarily that I big mean, he's a deal. he's going to still do his job. Like, yeah, he's, he's still going to do his job. Level. And uh, Tristan Thompson, I, I think he looked more enthused than I would have expected out of him. Like, that's a guy that you worry about just because his productive uh, his productiveness is so reliant on his energy. Uh, Kevin Love seemed enthusiastic. He was talking about putting up gaudy numbers again and how he's worked on his game in the summer. Um, the, the guys were crediting Love for kind of following in LeBron's footsteps and, and holding uh, training camp before camp and really helping the team bond. Channing Fry is just always enthusiastic. He, he snagged LeBron's yeah. locker. Um, I, like I have they, another... I, I get your point, and mm-hmm. I also think the other concern is, like, the Cavs kind of have too many guys right now. They do, absolutely. And I, it's an interesting question of, like, so they have all these vets that, you know, ostensibly you're going to ask a lot out of if you're going to try to be a winning team, guys like Thompson, guys like JR, guys like Corver, and it's how do you kind of balance from a roster perspective keeping those guys involved because I'm, you know, like Tristan Thompson's not going to be a positive influence if he's sitting on the bench. Like this guy is 27. He's, he's going to want to play guys like uh, Corver and Jr. are going to want to play, but all of a sudden it's like, are you planning on David Nwaba being in your rotation? Are you planning on Rodney hood and Jordan Clarkson being in your rotation? Because all these guys, all of a sudden the Cavs have probably 13 guys who expect to play. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, and that probably deserve minutes. Like none that there's not a lot that you say. Okay, this guy deserves uh, 36 minutes as a starter on an NBA roster. But you have a lot of guys that, that are, deserve 15 to 20. Yeah, that, that deserve real minutes. Like even Jordan Clarkson, who we we've shit on fairly consistently, that's still a guy that last season. I, I think his playoffs get in the way of us remembering just what he was, but. He's still 13 points per game, shot almost 46% from the floor and 41% from three. Like, he's not going to give you playmaking, but that's a reliable scoring option on a team that doesn't have a lot of that. And he, we've seen him be an effective scorer on bad teams before it. And I, I don't think this is going to be anywhere near the worst team he's ever played on. Um, so he's going to be a guy that's deserving of minutes. And... I think when you look up and down the roster, the the one name of a guy that probably expects minutes and just does not fit in these plans whatsoever is J.R. Smith. Yeah, J.R. is kind of a problem in a lot of ways. Like, he was on the championship team. He has that natural cachet. Um, I think just about anyone would agree that he has slacked significantly since getting his big deal. Mm-hmm. Um they need to play guys like Rodney Hood. Jordan Clarkson's going to need to play the two. George David Hill's going to need to play the two. David Nwaba's going to need to play the two. And then, you know, it's not like you can really shift JR up and down too much. Like, JR is either going to play the two or the three. And he's a pretty small three, to be honest. So, mm-hmm. given his lack of positional versatility, it's like, it's really kind of hard to find out where he's going to get minutes, but. Also, like he he will burn this motherfucker down if if you try to bench him. 
that that would be the guy that I'd worry about in, in the locker room in in this situation. And um, if I mean the two candidates for guys that you'd kind of expect them to try to move before the season would be Jr. and Corver. Um, but you don't really see deals. This doesn't Corver feel like a midseason trade guy. Yeah, Corver midseason, but I just thought there was going to be interest before the season. Like I think Corver is almost going to get traded around the same time of year as he was with Atlanta, which is around December, like a good two months before the deadline. Some yeah. team's going to say, hey, we need shooting, and the sooner we get this guy integrated into the lineup, um, the, the better. Like, I, I don't think you have to wait to see if this is the best offer. I think you, that's a guy that you're just always – there's always going to be a need for him, especially with that non-guaranteed deal. JR, I, I think the Cavs have to be proactive here. Like, even if it was something where you're really not getting much value in return, like let's say you're trading him to, Mo- to Milwaukee for Delhi and you just get a trade exception for the gap in their contracts. Like, that, they're capable of eating that salary. Uh, that would be a better situation for him. And although the Cavs don't necessarily need another guard, I, I think Delhi is someone that is probably going to be okay with not getting minutes or at least handle that a little bit better than J.R. would. Yeah, you know, it's weird because the Cavs are so heavy at point guard, shooting guard, and then they have really, really, yeah, and then they have, so they have three point guards that need to play in Clarkson, Hill, and Sexton. Right. They have three shooting guards that need to play in J.R., Hood, and Korver. Mm-hmm. They have three centers that all will expect to play, and including, and then a fourth in Channing Fry, who, you know, I think could earn some minutes just given like how big the Cavs are that he might need to play some stretch five and let the other guy shift whoever's playing center shift down, whether it's Tristan or Nance. So you have Tristan, Nance, and then Zizic, who, you know, like looked really good in summer league, and like you have to find out what you have in him. He's, he needs have, developmental minutes at the very least. Yeah. So then at the four, at the three, they have just Jetty, really. Yeah. And probably Rodney Hood should play some minutes there, even though he's not really bulky enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Corver you know, probably the, will while he's yeah. still here. And in the small ball era, that's not as big of a problem. Like if threes are fours now, then twos are often threes. So you can you can survive with Hood at the three. And, um, and, and you've listed the all of these is, issues. You've listed all these issues without mentioning Nuaba, who's going to earn oh, yeah. minutes with how oh, yeah. hard Nuaba, he plays Nuaba, I'm sorry, is going to need to play the two and the three. Uh, I imagine he'll play most of his minutes at the three, actually, because he's got that seven-foot wingspan. Yeah, um, and, and he's built like a Mack truck. Yeah, uh, but then the four, it's just it's just love and it's, Sam Decker. And, yeah, like, and you and don't really want to play Fry. Sam. Yeah, you don't want to play Sam Decker there, so I, that's why I think you're going to see Fry. Um Maybe getting some minutes ahead of Zizic, who deserves them more, just because you need that flex. So much um, of this would be solved if Larry Nance, and I don't think this is going to happen. This is probably like the consistent joke with his career, but you would hope that he can add an outside shot because if he's capable of playing some power forward, um, that opens up the rotation a fair bit. Like I think you would hope I- that. Yeah, like I think in an ideal world, you'd sell both Tristan and Nance on playing about 22 minutes per game uh, at the center position. 
you give like six of those minutes to Zizic uh, alone at center with either Love, Fry, or, or whoever it may be. And then for like another four of those minutes, maybe Larry Nance plays alongside Zizic uh, with, with other shooters. Um, so I, I think if you could get Zizic like eight to ten minutes a game, that would be great. Um, maybe you rest Tristan on back-to-backs in an effort to keep him healthy. Um, but you'd really need both Tristan and Nance, as long as they're both on this roster, to kind of buy into uh, like a two-pronged attack where, hey, you are both energy guys. You both dealt with injuries last year. Uh, Tristan more so than Nance, but Nance had that hamstring issue. So if you can get them to buy into, you're going to play 22 productive minutes each, and you're just going to go out there and play as hard as possible. Maybe that's something that they can buy into. I mean, I mean I'll tell uh, you this much, uh, Justin. If they play uh, Nance and Zizic together a lot of minutes, they're going to be learning a lot of lessons, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, you. so you're not buying into the Zizic uh, corner three? Uh, not so much. And honestly, I want Zizic in the post. Like, that's where I want him to develop, you know, like – I want to figure out if he can score down there first and then expand I, his game, you know? I, like, I, I think it's possible that those minutes could not be a tire fire, um, but they're definitely far from ideal. Um, yeah. like I, this I roster is far from ideal. It's got a LeBron James-sized hole in it right now. Um, again, pessimism with uh, Jetty Osmond, but that's okay. Um, but actually, let, let's talk a little bit about Jetty and just the light and the life that is in him at media. Oh my God. Swoon. (laughs) I was, I, no one has made me just experience such pure joy. Like the way he talks, I I forget who tweeted. I want to say it was uh, Scott from waiting for next year. He like, so he was talking about, if you didn't watch media day or listen to media day, uh, Jetty was asked about the workout uh, Instagram uh, that was taken where he was working out with LeBron, KD, and Kawhi. And uh, Jetty basically explained that LeBron had hit him up about a workout. They worked out. And the next day, he's like, all right, next uh, tomorrow, KD and Kawhi are coming. And Jetty was like, oh, my God, and was like losing his mind. And like the way he was talking about it, uh, I think Scott from w- Waiting for Next Year said something like, it was like he had won a sweepstakes. Right? <laughs> Like, like he won this prize and hadn't just earned it by being a good guy and a good athlete and a good prospect. Um, his genuine joy uh, for the game is just really, really cool. Uh, I think we saw it all year with his reactions on the bench um, and his general activity when he's playing. Um, he did kind of downplay the Corver teaching him how to shoot thing. I think he, he mostly was like, yeah, I've been working on my jumper since I got to the Cavs. Yeah. And it's getting better. And, uh, like, I don't know. How much of the World Cup qualifiers did you watch? I did not watch a ton. Uh, I know you watched a little bit more. Yeah. So, Jetty hit just a ton of threes. Um, Out of the top 30 scorers in uh, World Cup qualifying, Jetty hit the most threes per game. Um, I think shot at, like, 46% clip. Um, Like, the shot looked a lot better, and what was surprising to me is almost all of his shots were coming off the dribble or off stepbacks. Like, it'd be one thing for him to be set up on these catch-and-shoot shots, um, but his release is just so much more consistent. 
the base can kind of shift a little bit at times, I noticed, um, which could be a bit of a product of kind of those step-back shots. But it's just so much more consistent. He seems to have so much more confidence. And as much as we like to temper our expectations, um, kind of joke for joke for the moon with Jetty and, and have more realistic expectations, I really don't know what exactly he could be this year. Like, uh, especially given the players that are around him. Like, I, I think playing off Kevin Love and, and uh, off a guy like Sexton, who's going to draw so much attention with just kind of his playing style. Yeah, I think he could have a real surprising year this year. Uh, I'll tell you what, based on uh, his fit with Sexton, as you mentioned, um, I think the Cavs' success this upcoming season, will, offensively at least, will really be tied uh, to uh, transition points per possession. Oh, for and, sure. And transition frequency. I think this team needs to effing fly. Um, That's one thing have, I'm really excited for. Like, I, I think this team, because Tyron Lewis always wanted them to play fast, which is di- just difficult. Like, the, the Cavs with LeBron, you're going to get out and run off of stops or steals. But other than that, LeBron likes to walk the ball up. He likes to survey the court. And, I, I mean, can't really blame him. You get a very yeah. and you get a good. And his offenses almost. are always really, really good, but you can't really do that without him. Oh, I'd like to note something really quick. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Luke Walton said he wanted to play fast today, and that's kind of. Um, I tweeted all of LeBron's team's pace for the last like eight, nine years, and uh, twelve. They were twelfth last year, and that's the fastest he's ever been by a lot. Yeah. And uh, someone just tweeted at me and said. I don't get why you don't understand why you guys don't understand. LeBron clearly understands now what he's been doing doesn't work. He's changing it up. Like, mm. how could you look at LeBron's team's offenses over the over his fifteen year career and think, yeah, it's just not working? Yeah, I, I think the problem with LeBron, the reason he only has three rings, is that those offenses just haven't been good enough. Yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, he probably would have made. F- 15 finals in a row if he just played uh, as fast as Luke Walton wants him to play the whole time. Yeah, uh, all, but, what he needed all this time was guys that can't shoot and an increased pace. But yeah, I, I mean, yes. Uh, I, I think yeah, the Cavs, Back to the Cavs. Sorry, I just wanted to note that because I love it when people say shit like that. Like like LeBron just had an epiphany and realized his entire career has been a waste up till now. <laughs> um, but to the Cavs, you know, like I really do think they got to run. I think you look at guys like Nance, who's a very good transition player. Yeah. Uh, uh, Clarkson, very good transition player. Jetty should be a very good transition player. Corver is one of the best trailers in the league. Love is one of the best trailers in the league and one and of the one best, of the outlet best outlet passers outlet. in yeah. the league. Yep. So and, uh, Sexton see- should be, should be a, a very good transition player because he goes at about 110 miles an hour every time he has the yeah, ball. I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of ugly offense out of the Cavs this year uh, when in, teams, the half court? When, in the half court. Um, and I think what we're going to see is that this team is really going to rely on being able to run uh, to get easy buckets because otherwise they're just going to be kind of few and far in between. Um Unless, you know, the Kevin Love rebuilt renaissance is is very legit 
and Jetty's three is very legit because right now there's just a bunch of like there's a there's some shot creation holes on the roster. Uh, you know, Sexton can create off the bounce. Hill kind of can. Love can kind of operate as a hub, but there's mm-hmm. not a lot of off the bounce juice on this team right now. Uh, yeah, but they're, they're going to need less of a problem in They're going to need Hood and Clarkson to perform in those situations for sure. Yeah, which is why I think they're just going to really need to lean on their full court uh, transition game because otherwise, I just think they're going to be playing with fire. You know, I think they're this is a team that's going to be prone to bo- be to bog down when when the opposing team is taking away what they want to do. Um, so yeah, I, I but I really think they can do that. Uh, I think I think Jetty has the potential to be one of the better transition players in the in the league. You know, because uh, he's a nice finisher and is so freaking recklessly aggressive uh, mm-hmm. running in transition. Like he sprints and he, and harder he keeps his head on up. a fast break. He earns his passes on those fast breaks, you know? Um, and I think he's going to be a lot more emboldened. So yeah, that, that feels like the pathway to a good offense for this team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I was going to add there is just Jetty also keeps his head up. Like he's not, Derek Rowe is reckless in transition where he's just, I got the ball, I'm going to the rim. Uh, you see him give up the ball in transition, but then continue to just book it and try to be there for a trailer if the ball comes off the rim or be there for kind of a dump off pass if the defender shifts over to him on a two on one. Um, so I do think that uh, transition is going to be a big part of this team. And I mean, if you're talking about a team that's playing hard, that plays fast, that isn't good, but kind of plays with that kind of an, an identity. And if, let's say, the rotation gets cleared up a little bit and you have uh, David Nwaba playing a little more, uh, getting some consistent min- minutes and, and you get some of those veterans that aren't as enthused with the regular season out of the lineup, I think you have the chance to kind of build a team with more of a defensive identity than they've had in the past that plays fast. And I I think that's something that people can get behind, even if the wins aren't necessarily there yet and and you're getting more lessons than wins. (laughs) Can we not say the word loss for the remainder of the season? I I, I think I like that. I think that we're just going to keep it like the Cavs took a a hard 94 to 83 lesson against the Grizzlies. Yeah. On Tuesday night. Holy fuck, did the Cavs get a lesson from the Warriors <laughs> yesterday? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all in on this. embarrassing quote. Oh, man. I that love was it. Like, there, was, there was no greater dog whistle to like, oh, this is going to suck, huh? <laughs> what is your craziest prediction for the Cavs this season that you feel like has the possibility of coming true? Uh, Jetty wins most improved player. <laughs> so I think Je- Jetty winning most improved player, I think is very possible, especially if he gets his scoring average up to like 14 points per game, because people are going to be looking for narrative reasons to, to kind of crown the Cavs with some feel good story. And I think Jetty's a great candidate for that. Um, I think my most outlandish one would be Tyron Lue winning coach of the year. If this team somehow like gets the five seed, uh, I think that he'd be in the discussion there, um, especially with all the dysfunction that's inevitably going to happen with the Celtics. Um, I, I think there's a real opening there. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of don't, but that's okay. Um, no, no but, <laughs> I just think I, I, so said, but like, there is a narrative. There is a narrative 
reason. I don't think you're wrong there. Like from the perspective of like, listen, this is a guy that no one really respects all of a sudden because the Caps <laughs> had couldn't beat Kevin Durant. Um, but you know, I do think that if they look really good, I think it'll almost be more aesthetic. Like if the Cavs like look good, uh, even if their results, you know, like I guess like if they played like the Nuggets the last couple of years, where it's like maybe they're not winning just as much as we want, but there's something they're clearly ramping up towards something positive. Um, and that would make they're me feel obviously so a good, good team now. But that would you make know. me feel so good. That would be such a moral victory, and that's. That's really what this year is likely going to be. Yeah, a lot of lessons. Yeah, a um, lot of lessons and moral victories. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that there is a... The reason I lean towards the Jetty one is like... Because if the Cavs do make the playoffs, he has to be really, really good. Like, a lot better than any non-Cavs fan thinks he's going to be. Right, um, yeah. He, he has to be a legitimately good starter. And I don't actually, really this, see... Yeah, I don't see a roadmap for the Cavs making the playoffs if Jetty is just okay and Colin Sexton is just okay. Is that no, fair? So, yeah, I think the only roadmap would be if, like, Jetty is decent, Sexton is, like, rookie of the year, which I don't think would be an outlandish prediction just because yeah, of the like point. Yeah, like, one of them has get. to be pretty freaking good is but, the idea. Yeah, you'd, you'd also need, like, Rodney Hood to be a consistent, like, 18, 19-point-per-game guy and Jordan Clarkson a step up. Like, you'd need a whole lot of different factors. If you had to guess on how the scoring breakdown is going to kind of shake out for the Cavs, like, I'm not asking you to put numbers on it because that just gets complicated, but if you had to rank the top five scores, what your prediction is going to be for the top five in points per game this season, what do you think it's going to be? Oh man, this is really hard. Actually, um, yeah, I, I know. He's right? going to be the leading scorer, but I don't think he's going to average that many more points. To be honest, I don't know if he's ever a twenty-six points a game guy ever again. I think he'll probably be settling around like twenty-one, twenty-two. Um, I would say love. Then it gets like uh, love than Sexton. I think those two, I'm like pretty confident in because I think they're going to lead the team in shots. Uh, then three gets pretty messy. I think from there on, it's sort of a grab bag. I think uh, Jetty, Jetty should be in the mix there. Um, I think George Hill ought to be in the mix there, but he might not be, and he probably won't finish the season on the team uh, if uh, if it plays out the way I see it. I actually think Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood are actually probably, the, probably three or four. Uh, Hood, Clarkson, and Jetty, uh, I think in some order, go three, four, and five on this team. Uh, just because I don't think Jr. is going to get a ton of minutes, I think he's going to. I think they're going to start phasing him out, and then plus he just at, might not play enough games. Like yeah, if yeah, he, he gets yeah, he traded, might, yeah. And so yeah, I, I would tend to go that way. I mean, I think Corver could definitely sneak in. I think Corver is actually going to be sneaky, really important for this team because they don't have a ton of shooting all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, between Clarkson and Sexton, and um, you know, you'd lose LeBron, who actually was a pretty good shooter for them this year. Um, Jetty's jumper, you know, we'll see uh, if that holds up. But I think Jr. is going to play less. Um, and if they're going to be playing a lot of two big lineups, you actually kind of need Corver out there because he's one of the few guys who, you know, you can play a two-man game with a big and not have it kill you. Right. Um, if it's him doing that screen dance that he kind of developed over time. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. Um, do you agree with that general layout? 
I, I think so. Um, I was running to take care of my dog, um, so I missed yeah, number yeah, two. I'm going to assume. Uh, I'm going to yeah. assume you said Sexton. Yeah, love Sexton, and then in some order, uh, Hood, Clarkson, Jetty. I think it's going to shake out to be Love, Hood, um, Sexton, Clarkson, then Jetty. Like so. In, in general, I agree. Um, I just think Ronnie Hood is going to have to play a bigger role, and I, I think Sexton is going to try to be a bit more of a facilitator, at least early in the season, uh, before probably shifting as the year ends. Like I, I think he's probably going to finish strong uh, after like a little bit of a lull midseason. Um, but I, I just think Hood is going to need to play a consistent role. Like I, I think George Hill is going to start next to Sexton, but he's probably going to be the first sub out. Like, I think you take him out for Hood, and Hood almost plays starters minutes. Um, but again, the, all these all these rotations I've imagined, I almost never have a role in mind for J.R. Smith, and I just don't know how that ends up impacting things. Hey, I have a question. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we sure Jetty starts? I'm not positive. I have a Because I think strong- they all want him to. But I think they might start Hood there. I think it's possible. I think it's very, very, very possible. Um, it all depends what he's most comfortable with. Like, I, I think there's actually a world where starting Hood there makes a little more sense as much as I want Jetty to start. Um, just because I think a second unit where you have Hood who wants to initiate the offense, Jordan Clarkson who's going to initiate offense anytime he's touching the ball, uh, no matter what you have to say about it, and like Kyle Corver and who, whoever the, the front core players are, like I think that probably gets a little more problematic. And having a glue guy like Jetty uh, can significantly benefit those lineups. Um, uh, counterpoint: I don't give a fuck about the bench. This, we're not winning the championship this year. But but oh. you have I I actually think it would be actively harmful to the team if they started Rodney Hood. I, I asked the question so I could answer it. Okay. Well, that's... Because I, I, I genuinely think there's no world in which this should happen. Like, I don't care about how the bench unit flows when I'm trying to figure out if I've got a nice role player in Jetty Osmond or someone I can uh, actually continue consider a core piece of my team. Don't what if it's Sexton, fair? Hood, and Jetty? That's fine, but don't put Jetty on the bench. I think... I think if I if if there's three people I need to fucking know about by the end of this season, it's Kevin Love as a lead dog, it's Colin Sexton, and it's Jetty Osman. I'm with that. Like, I, I everything else is secondary to those three goals. I need to know what that what this guy these that that trio and where it can take me. Like, so in short, maybe, nobody in, puts Jetty in a corner. Nobody puts Jetty in a corner or on the bench for a guy who didn't come off the bench in a playoff game. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I, I, I think I'm with you there. Uh, I, I think maybe at some point Hood is going to start at the two, uh, especially if they end up moving George Hill, who's another one of those midseason trade candidates. They just really need to thin the herd. Like There really shouldn't be these, this many mouths to feed. They, they have to figure out. Yeah, they got to trade some bets. That's just all it is. Um, and I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but there's going to be some mighty unhappy people in the locker room uh, if the roster stays as currently constituted. Um, and that's going to be a real challenge. 
It uh, it certainly is. But uh, we're going to get a lot of answers fairly soon. Uh, you you look at the the schedule. Uh, this, this pod's going to be dropped on Tuesday, and a week later, uh, Cavs Celtics. It's not exactly uh, regular season basketball, but it's basketball. Like we're we're going to see this team in action, which. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited for. Um, I just think there's so oh, many yeah. changes. There's so many changes that need to happen this year, and there's so many unknowns that it, it's more exciting and it's more tantalizing to me than um, at least last year, where you're like, okay, we're clearly playing for second place, and hopefully we we get that. Hopefully we get another finals appearance. Yeah, I mean, expectations are everything, right? And uh, really all I think this fan base is going to do, including us, is ask the Cavs to perform to or beyond our expectations, which are considerably lower. I think a lot of people didn't have fun last year because they had higher expectations than what the Cavs were ultimately able to deliver. Um, yes. And I don't even think that fans were wrong for not having fun, but that's fundamentally what happened. So, you know, just getting to exceed expectations for a bit, that's actually something we haven't gotten to do as fans for a long time uh Mm -hmm. you know the last time we got to feel that way was when lebron single-handedly beat detroit in game five yeah all the way back then uh which you know permanently skewed my ability to be too rational about what what is possible with him yep uh but that was the last time they got to be like whoa they're doing this (laughs) because you know from then on, finals were the expectation. Anything other than that was uh, a crushing disappointment. Uh, then he left, and they just sucked ass every year <laughs> and like never outperformed expectations. And then he came back, and the second he came, comes back, it's championship or bust, or at least finals are bust. Um, and so like getting to be the team on the rise is actually a really fun phenomenon. And the one, you know, I always joke that the best time in a sports fan's life other than winning the title is the year you outperform expectations. The year your team takes the leap because you're just, you're just so thrilled to even be here. Uh, the next year is always miserable. Remember the first lob city year, how fun that was Yeah, and how miserable the the Clippers became. We have the possibility to exceed expectations and that's fun. And even if we don't, I don't think this team's necessarily in a terrible position. So, um, to, to kind of wrap things up, it's uh, it, it's a good position to be in. I, I'm I'm very excited for this season. Um, for our listeners, I want you to also keep your expectations low with us, so that you're capable of having a good time. Um, but I, I know I speak for Carter and myself when I say that we're really excited to be back. We're really excited for basketball to be back. Um, media day is uh, it's an exciting day. You don't you don't really get anything of substance, but it, it's that little reminder that basketball is coming back. Uh, I want to thank again Blue Wire. We can't be we couldn't be more excited than to uh, be partnering up with them. We're, we're we're very impressed with everything so far, and uh, we're excited for what the future holds. Um, again, if you want to support the podcast, we, we no longer have the the Patreon running, but you can still support us. The old school way by leaving a rating, leaving a review, uh, telling your friends and family about the podcast. Don't don't build it up too much, but but let them know because uh, word of mouth is one of the best ways to help this spread. Uh, but yeah, we are- uh, can I, if I can jump in real quick before Absolutely. we before you finish wrapping us up, I just wanted to make a quick note. Now that we kind of have put our Patreon on hold, now that we're being supported without the 
funding of our very dedicated listener base. I just think we'd be remiss, you know, as this kind of as the Patreon era of the Chase Down podcast ends. Uh, it wasn't a very long one, but it was uh, it was a really meaningful one to me and Justin. Uh, we were just so excited that any we thought we'd if we topped fifty bucks, we would be like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" You know we, <laughs> that we anyone would support us that way. And I think at one point we were getting one hundred thirty a month uh, from like up to I think like thirty patrons at one point. Yeah. Um, that was like unbelievable. And, uh, you know, we had this, uh, this discord chat that we kind of created just for our patrons and, uh, everyone kind of went through it one day and just talked about all the, why, why they love the pod and what it meant to them. And like, I was nearly like in tears. I was just like, so geeked. So I, I just wanted to give our patrons a really special shout out. Um, because you absolutely didn't need to support us, uh, and you did, and like, there's just no, there's no kinder thing you could say. Uh, so we just really appreciate the shit out of you guys. Absolutely, and and we're going to continue to look at different ways to to engage the community and continue building on, on what we kind of started there, and uh, we we have ideas for Discord chat, and uh, we'll. Uh, be rolling those out as uh, as time progresses here, but uh, we're, we're back to recording on, on a consistent schedule, so you'll be hearing more of our annoying voices moving forward. So thanks again to all of our listeners. A special shout out to all our, our patrons for for helping us out, and uh, shout out to Blue Wire as well. Uh, we will be back with more coverage, more emergency podcasts, maybe a Jimmy Butler trade. Who knows? Uh, so. Say? Who, who's to say but uh thanks for me and carter and until next time go Cavs. <laughs>